Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Rain Abueg. She is the co-founder and chief culture officer of iXeed. iXeed, as the name says on the bottle, is a customer experience specialist. It's an outsourcing firm based in the Philippines. They are very new. They have been in market less than one year. However, the founding team, there's three co-founders, are veterans of the industry. I have one of the co-founders here today. Her name is Rain, and she herself has been in the industry 18 years working for some of the biggest names in the industry. So they come with a lot of experience. We talk about their journey into outsourcing, uh, the beginnings of iXeed and the ambitions for iXeed and the philosophy, uh, their work from anywhere approach, uh, and we cover a lot of stuff. So it was a really great conversation, really great insights from Rain. I really enjoyed the conversation. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So, Rain, I want to start by asking what was your impetus collectively, the three, the three founders, for setting up yet another BPO in the Philippines. What, what's your own story for iXeed? The origin story of iXeed. So my co-founders and I started iXeed because we wanted to build a company that challenged the norms of traditional outsourcing. In fact, we call ourselves business process innovators. And our philosophy is that the best customer experience is no service experience. So if you think about it, um, if, you, if you think about a time when you were really happy as a customer, it probably wouldn't be when you had to call someone to fix like an error in your bill. And they may have resolved it quickly or you may be happy with the service, but that wouldn't be your best experience. 
your best experience would be never having to call them to fix anything in the first place. And so that's our mindset at Exceed. Um, we cultivate a culture where our frontline experts are enabled and motivated to recommend innovations to reduce customer friction points. So whether it's through a process enhancement or automation, or usually it's a combination of both. And so our goal is, ironically, to provide less service for a better customer experience, um, because we believe that ultimately these solutions will not only lessen customer frustration and make for a better experience, they also reduce our clients' cost to serve and uh, make our employees' jobs better and less stressful. I, I get that, Rain, and, and thank you for that. I get that. If you were management consultants, I completely get that mm-hmm. in that, you know, ideally and in theory, it would be perfect if if someone was able to wipe out the need for customer service completely. You know, then everyone could go home happy. Everyone would be saving so much money. Mm. But is it really the role of customer service to eradicate customer service? Because you are literally the sort of the, the pointy end of the stick that is managing the customer service. Now, I understand um, making the customer service processes more efficient and making the customers more satisfied as a result of that. But are you really in a position to change the systems of a business are you that deep into a business where you can actually change it so that it kind of eradicates the need for the customer service? We recognize that it's a controversial opinion, especially since, you know, the BPO business was built on the fact that, you know, there have been a lot of complaints um, that need human intervention. And that's why, you know, the, the business was uh, the business originated. Um, I We do believe that. Because we're in the front line and we deal with the issues day in and day out, there's no better person to understand the pain points of what customers go through than the people on the phones and on the chats and on the emails. Uh, They're the first ones to know when something is wrong, when an issue has become repetitive, and when it's become frustrating. So the there needs to be a partnership with our clients. We do need a deeper understanding of the business and we need to be looking at the process from the customer point of view. Um, and, and that's why we call ourselves business process innovators. We don't just um, follow a checklist and a tick box of things that need to be done as an outsourcer. We want to understand what the customer is going through um, and what how the business supports that from the back end. And part of our practice and rigor is making sure that we are elevating this, these concerns to our clients and that there is a good relationship and a partnership where we can candidly talk about the observations from our folks at the front line um, and get the partnership from our client to collaboratively try to understand how we can make things better. Um, Are there process gaps that need to be addressed? Is there a way that we can automate it uh, so that it is easier for the customers to process what they need? Um, And, you know, we work through that together and see what we from the customer experience standpoint can do 
whether it's, you know, uh, handling uh and training and other such concerns where we have control. Um, and from the client side of the house, they look at, you know, maybe maybe there's a uh, something that they can also do from there. And so you're relatively new to market. You have been going less than one year, which is admirable. And I, I want to come back to that. Um, but the the three of you, there's three co-founders. And between you, you, you well, each of you have decades of experience in the industry. So there's really good pedigree there. So what you are saying is is not just sort of a bit of a whim. You have, all of you have worked in the industry for decades, yeah. uh, going on decades, not wanting to, to date you, of course, <laughs> Ray. But, uh, uh, and so you've seen deep into industries. And so you've come to this kind of, I suppose, seeing flaws in the existing processes. And um, is it then your mission to focus just on CX and do you feel that that is where, you know, the, the primary opportunity is and the flaws are, or do you, you know, are you looking at staff augmentation generally? How, how do you look at the, the sort of business model going forward for IXE? We are primarily customer experience specialists and, and that's really what we love and that's our, that's our background and that's our, our mission is really to see customer experience from the customer's lens and um, make that better uh, and using technology fused with human talent to basically um, redefine the, the way things are being done for, for the customers. So um, I guess it's fairly broad. Uh, staff augmentation um, is not something that we have specifically discussed going into, um, but something that we're willing to look at and help our clients with if it helps ultimately, you know, with their with their customer experience needs. Um, but I, I think our specialty is really making sure that our clients' customers are are getting the best experience. And um, having worked, you know, um, I'm assuming you've, you've maybe worked in the big end of the market where some of these big call centers uh, have literally hundreds of thousands of staff. And do you see that as, you know, quite intimidating to say, look, we're going to go out on our own, it, start from scratch, and we're going to be able to do it better. Is it is it intimidating to think that, you know, they've got literally hundreds of thousands of staff head start? Or do you see sort of a really big opportunity to, to start with a clear slate? I think there's a lot of advantages of having worked with, uh, you know, the giants in, in the industry, especially the ones in the Philippines. Um, and, and we've had a bit of experience in other markets as well, me and my, my co-founders. Um, and, and yes, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing to be looking at the big legacy um, companies and say that we're, we're here to challenge how things are being done. Um, we have a lot of respect for, for all the players in the industry um, and, and what they've built. And I, I think coming from our point of view, there are reasons behind things being done the way that they are. Um, and we understand that. And, and yet we want to see how we can do it differently. You know, when, when the BPO industry started in the Philippines um, and I became part of 
the industry in 2003. So it was very early days. Uh, and back then, there were only a few players. And the value proposition for joining the industry at that time was that it was a it was it paid well. It was a good job. You get a good job, salary. You get good benefits. And I even remember um, one of my friends back then said, "It it's not my dream job, but it I never have to worry about how to pay my bills." And so that was that was good. Um, and it did provide a lot of opportunities for the Philippine workforce. But as the industry grew. Uh, people and you know parents of the workforce that uh, were entering the industry started recognizing that it could be a legitimate career to be in a BPO, and so the value proposition um, as the industry grew shifted and became about you know professional development and upward mobility, um, and at some point the narrative changed again to BPOs as a fun place to work and. The industry became known for engagement activities, you know, the big concerts, beach parties, sports fest, and the messaging to a lot of the people who were starting at that time is that, you know, the work might be stressful. You might have to sacrifice a little bit uh, working on holidays or working at night, but it's it's fun and you have friends at work and that, that makes it more bearable. And all of this is still true um, in the Philippines. You know, it's Working in a BPO is financially rewarding. It presents great opportunities for career advancement. Um, and it's a place where you could form meaningful connections. But but what we at iXeed have observed is that many BPO companies, the big ones that you, you, you referred to, um, they're still being run in a very similar way to how they operated uh, 10, 20 years ago. It's a very regimented environment uh, for necessity, right? Like you know, there's a lot of metrics, um, you know, you're paid by the minute. So every minute is monitored and, and, and people at the front line are under pressure to bring down handle time without making any mistakes. And, and, and our clients are also under a lot of pressure to do more with less. So um, our challenge my co-founders and I, when we set out to envision what we want IXC to be was, how do we reframe how a BPO operates? You know, how do we redefine the work environment um, so that we attract the type of employees that we need? Uh, because, you know, a very rigid, restricted environment is not one that attracts the creative thinkers, the problem solvers, and the innovators that we want to have as part of our employee base. Um, so we can't mm. have a similar type of environment, but at the same time, we still have to make sure that we deliver results for our clients. So, you know, what's a different way of, of, of building an operating model that still works? Um, I guess do you think this this do you think the regimentation of the big BPOs is really just a product of their size and scale? Like it's it's easy to be small and radical and be you know a small caring family um, when you're just twenty staff. Mm -hmm. You know that that's kind of easy and you can all have pizza moments and sort of crowd around the same office. But as you scale, you inevitably have to sort of standardize processes and it becomes a little bit more impersonal and. And, you know, you see that. I don't know any large company, whether it's outsourcing or anything, 
across the world, you know, and um, obviously the US with Amazon and Walmart mm. and things like that, these big employers, Starbucks, um, ultimately staff to some degree become a number. And then also the sort of flexibility of, um, I suppose, uniqueness and personality has to be sort of limited and then processes are standardized. Is that sort of a product of, of scale, do you think? Do you think, I think it's a- yes, the, the model can be proven at 10 staff, but can it be mm. proven at 250,000 staff, do you think? That, that is a challenge. And I think that um, you're correct. It's, it's very easy to be lofty with your ideals and making room for flexibility. And um, you can build a culture easily when you can talk to each and every one of them as a co-founder. Um, and, and so you, you, you touch base with all, you know, your 20, 50 employees. Um, but when you do scale, it becomes a bigger challenge. I think um, we're working from anywhere and that's a challenge as well. You know, we, we, but we're up for it. And I think that that's a, the commitment to the type of culture that we want to foster is that it's not just about, you know, caring and fun, although we, we want that to be part of it. It's, it's looking at, uh, you know, finding a purpose in making things better. And I think that's, that's, that's the, the, what is common with our employees is beyond the fact that we like each other and that we support each other. It's that we have, uh, we believe in a purpose to, you know, serve our customers to, to innovate um, so that we can do things better for our customers and for ourselves as well. I mean, we, Mm. we apply all the, the process improvement um, and innovation practices to how we do things in our own house because we are a new company and we're still we're still building our processes and putting together our policies. Um, you mentioned we're less than a year old. We only actually went to market um, in Q4 of 2022, so we haven't even been in the market for a year. Um, we went live with our first client in February of 2023, and uh, we now serve six clients across our service delivery operations, and it's a learning experience every day. Yeah, congratulations for that. I mean, it is a, it is an incredible journey. From your experience, you know, you've you've spent what 18 years in the industry, working for big players. What is your personal professional experience, of course? Um, working for a startup, how, how does it mm-hmm. differ? Because I think when you are in the big boys and your impression of life doing it for yourself is a little bit rosy and then you actually have to do the stuff for yourself and it's not quite as rosy and you realize actually there's not the same support systems and stuff like that. What, what is your own experience of, of this transition? It has been uh, an interesting journey. We've... Um, we have, um, I think all of us in, in, in the co-founding team um, have been spoiled working for bigger operations where there is a lot of support and um, we've had to learn how to do things 
on our own. And a lot of it is legwork and paperwork and, you know, making sure that we're operating a legitimate business, um, you know, and, and, and we all wear many hats. Like we do what we need to do. Um, I, I search for candidates and do interviews um, versus, you know, in my previous life where I just get a resume and it's already scheduled on my calendar and all I have to do is click a button. Um, But I think it's, but I think it's been a good experience because it's helped us also understand what people do have to go through to, um, you know, to get in touch with iXeed and to, you know, to, to, make sure that we can um, do things the right way because we're building it from the ground up. Um, I would liken it to say, you know, building your own home and, and customizing the sizes of the rooms and, you know, the furniture that you put in there and where to put people. Um, It adds a layer to the experience that is very organic, I think, and, and helps us, and me specifically to understand um, the employee experience as well. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, starting a business, you realize like from day one, you have, or day zero, you have nothing. And then you're like, well, we need a website, not just a website. We need a a server to host the website. website. We need to buy the URL. We then need to figure out what we're gonna write on the website. Then we've got to incorporate the company then we've got to, you know, and it's, it's crazy. It never ends. So and then you know, never you're absolutely how... exhausted and you actually haven't really focused on the product at all. Yeah. Like you're still just doing the back end to get the thing off the ground. It's, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's been the push and pull. Process. I mean, um, I've never realized how difficult it was to open a bank account as a corporation, <laughs> um, especially yeah. since I, I am in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so if I have to sign something with ink, uh, it takes like a ferry ride, a plane ride and land travel before I can even, you know, go to where the paperwork is. So it's been an interesting journey. It's particularly sure. hard, isn't it? And, and in the Philippines, especially because, it, you know, obviously most countries now do things digitally, but the mm. Philippines is still very much reliant, which is a which is a learning for, you know, clients like uh, there's a lot that goes on beneath the surface to make a client's journey seamless and simple and frictionless in outsourcing. But then it leaves a lot of work for the company, doesn't it? For you yes. guys to actually make all of that a seamless experience. It's uh, yeah. fascinating. So you, you have opted for a work from anywhere approach. Um, you know, obviously pre COVID, I would have sort of shaken my head at that a little bit and said, you know, we, we should really go for offices. Now, of course, um, it's free brain. What is the motivation? Is it is it to serve the the workforce better to get a more engaged workforce? Do you feel that it's serving the client better? What are your sort of philosophies on work from anywhere? I think it serves both. Uh, for for the client, it casts a wider net for for talent, and we have discovered that talent is everywhere in the Philippines. Um, also, during COVID, um, a lot of the workforce from Metro Manila went back to their home provinces. Um, and I think that we've all discovered that we can make it work um, and that uh, they, they had different uh, motivations for staying put where they are. Um, 
We like it because it helps our employees as well. Uh, I think it makes for a better work and life experience to not have to travel to the office and commute for several hours um, when you can honestly produce the work at home as long as there are ways to make sure that you're delivering the output that's needed. Um, it's been it's been an interesting experience as well because I think I, 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 I think you know that I live in Guimaras um, and I think you've been here before, Derek. I have. Yeah, I stayed in one of the resorts there. Oh. But explain for the audience um, where you are. So Guimaras is a small island, although it's technically the seventh largest island in the Philippines. Um, but it's a small island um, in the middle of uh, Panay and Negros, for those who are into geography. Um, and it's mostly farmland. It, I think the island has barely changed in the last decade, maybe even two decades, um, we had to build a road to build our house. Uh, it was always part of um, our plan for me and my husband to relocate in 2021. Um, that was a five-year plan. So when, when COVID hit in 2020, we thought that the plans would be derailed, uh, but we were determined to uh, you know, fulfill our dreams of living on the island. And here we are now. So I'm probably one of the most remote of re- remote workers in the Philippines. Um, but that was part, I guess, of the the uh, inspiration of, of building a work from anywhere culture. I was able to make it work. Um, we started with like satellite internet and then eventually um, managed to convince somebody in PLDT to uh, put in extra fiber to get high speed internet in our home. Uh, We're on 700 Mbps, which is faster, ironically, than what I had in Makati when I lived there for several decades. Um, But when we looked at, you know, where talent was and whether um, and and just cast it as far as, you know, anywhere in the Philippines, um, we did discover, you know, people working in in places where we wouldn't have thought there would be a web developer or a Microsoft admin expert um, or a technical support expert. I mean, it's it's been an interesting um, challenge for us to even get equipment over to our frontline workers because um, one of our uh, software engineers is in Antica, uh, which is also a remote area, like not even serviced by uh, couriers. Um, or at least not the normal courier. So we had to find somebody else in the company to fly to Iloilo and drive to where to Antique, where um, where our employee was, just to give him his laptop. And and uh, it was a a highlight, I think, of our early days. And we, but, but these are the types of things that you kind of just learn as you go when you're trying to solve issues on how to get your workforce up and running and online. Yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting example that, isn't it? And, you know, I do wonder if you got to the scale of 200,000 people, would you, would you go, look, we're only going to service people where we can get couriers to, because it, these things don't scale so well, do they? But it's it's an interesting exercise of discovery. Yeah, definitely not. And even now we're already, um, 
like we're pressed because we 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 have to solve for um, it was it was fun as an exercise to to try and solve for it when we weren't hiring more than 10 people um, at a time but you know now now that we're growing it's uh, it's a challenge it's definitely um, it helped that we had to go through that process so that we understand what it takes but um, but then you know you kind of shift your thinking into okay now we have to do this for like 30 people how do we do that and, you know what what if you know what if we get uh, what if we start needing to hire like 50 people every week like how do we do that we can't we can't have uh, how do we make the process more uh, efficient I guess and streamlined, and, yeah. and stream yeah. not not just streamlined really but like yeah. how do you replicate it so that you can do it 50 times in the same day without having to you know get 50 couriers to 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 do it um, the way that you would have yeah. if you're just trying to get one so and this is the thing I think you know once you've been doing it no but once you've been doing it sort of 10 20 30 years and you've serviced your hundred thousandth mm-hmm. employee you go look I'm not doing all of that i'm just going to do the efficient route <laughs> you know what i mean um and it is this it, it's but anyway um you know i hear i hear as well at scale that there are um prospective employees or scammers that take these jobs they get the hardware mm-hmm. and then they disappear and you know it's it's a bit of a blight in the industry at the moment that the industry industry sending out this equipment and yeah. it's just disappearing yeah um so you know when you when you sort of create something new, then there's sort of a litany of, I suppose, issues mm. that need to be ironed out and the industry is always evolving in that regard, isn't it? But, um, yeah, you know, it and you say you work from anywhere. What's that? I was, I was, it was nerve wracking. I mean, when we first sent out, you know, it's equipment that's worth thousands of dollars. Um, and, and you, there, there is a, you know, there's, there's like paperwork and you take a photo of the person like all, all these these things that mm-hmm. uh, delivery uh, companies do um, but it's still you know you never know right like it's a then it, you can have all the background checks and uh, uh, in the world but but there still is a, a different things that you have to make sure um, is in place from an from a security material security as well as information security. Oh, it's endless, isn't it? There. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, is it's a, it's a question of scale. I had an interesting conversation with another business owner a while ago, and he was reflecting as well, because I, before this business, I also owned a fairly, you know, significant business. And he was saying that, you know, he was in e-commerce and he said, maybe one in a million times you get a tragic incident uh-huh. or a really significant incident um, and when you are young and starting out that one in a million times might take two or three years or four years to happen but as you scale uh. when you have more and more activity one in a million times might be every day uh. you know because just your scale yeah. is increasing yeah. and then it could be 10 times a day and then you have a department just focused on these massive tragic incidents that were only happening every three years previously and now they're happening 10 times a day and it's just this element of, of scale you know and you think about these big bpos with seven hundred thousand staff that's bigger than a lot of cities yes and you know, when you think of a city with 
crime rates and murders and car crashes and fights, um, you know, this can potentially happen within an organization. And of course, amongst 700,000 people, it will either internally, you know, sort of employee against employee, or at least, you know, happening with one employee. Uh, and it's, it's just crazy. These things, yeah. once you scale up anything, it becomes, it, it's intense. Huh? It, it, it does. And um, we have actually run some customer experience uh, anti-fraud trust and safety um, services. And it's interesting to see and hear about the many, many ways that uh something, especially in an e-commerce business, can be defrauded. Um, and the interesting thing is, as we discover those different ways and put in the uh, like the, the mitigations in place um, and prev- able to be like prevent some of the fraudulent transactions from happening, once the fraudsters get wind of what that is, then they start doing something new. So there's always like, you, you kind of have to constantly figure out what is the new thing that the scammers are doing so that you can mm. get ahead of it. Um, and it's a very, it's, it's almost an investigation on a hourly basis that you have to put in place um, and absolutely understand that once we scale and once we have uh, less direct lines to the people in our teams uh, and even the you know the locations where where we service then it it does become uh tighter controls that need to be in place because it it is a numbers game it's it's proportion um you know one percent of 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 five people doesn't doesn't feel like anything, but 1% of 100 is, you know, 100,000, etc. That's a, that's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And then that's when you lose the family, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, you're dealing with sick leave, you're dealing with absenteeism, you're dealing with, you know, doctor's notes and stuff like that. And then you just have to put these policies in place. And then you become, you know, a McDonald's with, with <laughs> employment policies. It, uh, it's difficult. To avoid, but it's an interesting journey, at least. Um, you say um, work from anywhere. You you put a confinement though. It sounds around the Philippines. If it's truly work from anywhere, like would you would you explore Kenya? Would you explore Malaysia? Like, um, are you sort of content at the moment to stick with Filipino s- staff talent? Um, What's the the guideline there? Well, at the moment, we are focused on Philippine talent for various reasons, um, but one of them is also because we are a, we, we need to have an entity in any country where we hire employees. Um, so, so legally, there is that uh, restriction for us. Uh, we are present in the Philippines and in Singapore as an entity, um, and I think we're oh, and, and in the U.S. as well as an entity. Um, so we're limited to those markets for employees. Uh, but, I, but we've also found that, you know, there's such a rich amount of talent in the Philippines that we are very content in, in keeping it within that space for now. Not to say that we're not going to expand in the future. Um, that's certainly in our roadmap, but not for another couple of years. 
Got it. And with uh, remote work from anywhere, what are your thoughts on culture and having an identity for staff? You know, you mentioned earlier the summer parties and and all of the incredible events that BPOs are actually really incredible at doing to generate that identity and loyalty and community. Um, Is it, 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 it's kind of a shadow um, Mm. without the physical presence and those water cooler moments, do you think? Or you know, can it be replicated in, in the digital realm? I, I've i seen that it can, um, and not 100% the way that, uh, because the interactions are different. Um, and, but there's still a, a, you know, there's still a bond that's forged. Uh, and we do occasionally see each other face-to-face, just not every day. Um, and and maybe once a quarter, if I average it over over the past year, um, and I've also seen during the pandemic and when everybody was in lockdown, I've seen students who never who like graduated without ever seeing their classmates face to face, and it's been interesting to watch. You know, my niece um, entered senior high and graduated from senior high without ever seeing any of her classmates until the graduation rights, because that's when the schools reopened for, for face-to-face interactions. And, um, but I see them, you know, interacting over zoom and they, they, they watch movies together. They've never even met in person, but now they're watching movies over uh, some online tool. Um, It's always just amazing what technology can do. It's, um, People learn differently now. People interact differently. I think that the work from anywhere model will evolve to be uh, a way that people just work and and still interact. I think that one of the the how do I say it? Like one of the challenges I think of when we were forced to go into lockdown and still operate uh, the business is people basically forced doing what you do live with people, like say training or you know meetings, etc., um, and just take that and and schools, I guess education. You take that same interaction and then just do it on Zoom without like rethinking how can we make this different so that it works in this channel. Um, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to do things differently with the new technologies that we have today, with the new ways of thinking that, you know, Gen Z have today and how they've grown up. Um, It's not the same as when we were in, it starting our our work life back in the day it's it's a it's a there's a lot to learn and a lot of opportunities i think it's true isn't it you know i do sort of i don't consider myself traditional but i suppose we all yearn for the status quo a little bit and and thinking that and i I wouldn't have right like people now you like they learn how to i want to learn how to play the guitar um and 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 you don't really see people teaching guitar lessons anymore. Like kids go to YouTube and then give them 50 minutes and they know how to play like a concert. It's amazing. Um, But it's definitely like a new kind of brain wiring that's, that's, that's very different from, from when we were growing up. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't, just create a society of introverts, yeah, where, you know, we interact with screens and not people. And and then the touch or the, the presence of people is, um, 
alienate or alien, you know, it, it, it becomes a concern, doesn't uh-huh. it? And, you know, we're sort of, uh, this is a longitudinal study on, on the generation of your niece in terms of, we don't know the results, but we'll probably right. learn them in about 40, 40 years. Yeah, you know? no, for <laughs> sure. Be- I think that um, that's why it's important for to still have, you know, in-person, face-to-face types of interactions. There's, there's no uh, reason why we wouldn't. I think our, our work from anywhere model and building relationships um, w- works best when it's not zero personal interaction. Um, it's just not a daily event. Um, but, th- but there are still a lot of activities where we do want people to come together in person, like brainstorming, um, you know, solving a problem, um, that requires like a lot of writing on a board physically and being in the same room physically there, there, you're, mm. there is no substitute for that. There, there are ways that um, you can still achieve the objective, but there are ways that are best served by in-person face-to-face types of interaction. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope that that is, is considered optimal you know, 20 years from now mm-hmm. and, and that it, it's not just considered sort of an annoyance. <laughs> uh, and so back to, back to, back to IXE, you have CX in your name, which of course um, alludes to customer service. Um, but what are you, what are you focusing on as business? Are you sort of solidly customer service or you're offering other services? How does that work? Uh We still see it as ultimately customer experience, customer service. Um, but in, different ways. Our, our market has um, interestingly been more resonating with um, like tech types of digital CX interactions. Um, so we have uh, a group of web developers, data analysts, uh, you know, technology experts um, servicing our different clients. Um, and so it's still, um, I think we ultimately we see their customers as, as the customers that we serve. Um, but it's not typical, I guess, what you would first think of when you say BBO, where it's, you know, customers calling in for, for various complaints or, you know, customers of a telco company or a bank, et cetera. So it's, it's, a, it's a different type of outsourcing yeah the applications are so so broad now aren't they Mm. rain so thank you so much it's been a great conversation and of course you know your your vast experience really shines through and um it's interesting i was on a panel with arthur novak your co-founder as well so um really you know fantastic organization um and one that i recommend people reach out and have a chat to um of course, you know, I do recommend that people reach out, have a conversation, and you can sort of obviously hear that there's decades of experience here and um, really sort of vast experience in the industry. So there's so much value in picking up the phone and having a conversation and, and seeing how uh, solutions can, can transform your business. So, uh, Rain, if anyone wants to learn more about iXeed or get in touch, how can they do that? They can reach out to anywhere social channels. Uh, so we're... I exceed in Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, and I exceed life on Instagram. Uh, we also have our website, I So that's I C X E E D.com. Mm-hmm.
That was Rain Abueg. She is the co-founder and chief culture officer of iXeed. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to send us an email, please email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.